Good evening and welcome to another episode of And When I Say I Mean I Am Your Co-Host Austin. And I am your other co-host Adrian. I have uh, finally gotten a computer. Um, At long shout last. Shout out to Anthony. Uh, apparently it was offensive last time so hopefully it's not as offensive this time. Um, what was offensive? My shout out to him. Oh, I see. Uh, it was just, it was about Hamilton, so I like I didn't think it was that bad. But anyhow, <laughs> uh, welcome to another episode. Uh, I have mildly dropped the ball this week, mostly because I had other things to do. Uh, so I don't have an article as we often do to talk about things. Um, my suggestions earlier when we were trying to come up with things were, I think it was just like my top one was just racism. Um, mm-hmm. Interestingly, I've been talking to a guy from Turkey um, and trying to explain English to him. It's a mm-hmm. disaster, by the way. And then yeah. today, it's if you didn't know, today, April 4th, is the 50th anniversary of yeah. Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. So this really should be a Martin Luther King Jr. episode. Uh, well, but I we mean, already did one of those. Yeah. For Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Oh, okay. I guess that's fitting. Yeah. But this is the 50th anniversary, so... Right. Anyway. Right. He asked me why everyone is racist in America. He didn't use those exact words because mm-hmm. his English isn't great. Um, so then I tried... I was trying to explain racism, so... If you recorded that, kudos. That's creepy. Um, but we're not we're we're not going to talk about that. That no. recommendation was shot down. So well, it, um, we're just we might use it for another time. It was kind of broad when I recommended it. It would have yeah. been it would have been better to have a an article to go with it. Right, right. Most of our suggestions would have been better with an article. So. So that's why I, we didn't I, go. This with is it. our our best non-article suggestion. Um, the plan is, my plan is, I ask Adrian, Adrian, what's your favorite medium? Meet no, not medium. That would be it. That would be an interesting question too, though. <laughs> what is your favorite <laughs> like content? Though I like, I don't want to limit that to just internet things. Uh-huh. When I ask that question. And then you ask me, and mm-hmm. implicitly I ask why. Right, right. That's kind of like the implicit question of this show. Yeah. So was that, so was that you officially That's one way to read the title. Yeah, what's your favorite source of media? If you want to say what your favorite medium is, uh, that'd be cool. Marshall McLuhan would throw a party. I don't really know who that is or what that question really entails, but... He's, he said famously, the medium is the message. Okay. Again, don't really know, but that's He's okay. He's a media critic. So I'll just think of my favorite media. Wait, uh, medium so or content? Content. Content. Okay. Um... So, so I was thinking about this question this afternoon, 
because I don't I don't really know the answer. I didn't really know the answer when Austin suggested it. Um, and I think you can like look at it in a few different ways. You can look at it as like, what is my favorite medium or media or content, whatever you want to say it is, or like what is my most ingested form of content. Um, so if you think about it that way, what is my most ingested form of content? It's definitely just like sports, watching sports on television, and watching video games slash playing video games, specifically Hearthstone. But I wouldn't say that those are my, that's my favorite content. Um, I would say my favorite content is probably film. Um, and why, so then why? I think in a lot of ways film is just a great way to tell a story. Um, and I think that, that that film can do it in a way that a lot of things can't. In a lot of in a, in a lot of ways that things can't do. For instance, um, just visual effects is a, just something that movies kind of have that a lot of other things don't. Um, well, I guess nowadays they kind of have a lot of. But um, what was I going to say after that? There are a lot of movies that are bad, and I think that a majority of movies I would think are bad. Um, but that doesn't mean I, I think it, I, I still think it is a good media or content thing. So I, I think you're, we're understanding this question differently. Well, that's possible. So are you trying to answer the question, what's the best medium? I don't, I don't know. That's what you're doing to me. I was thinking, like, what's your favorite movie? I was gonna get there. I was gonna explain oh, okay. why. So I was gonna. I was okay, explaining okay. why I think. Why I think. I guess I am talking about medium, but like why I think film is the best, and then talking about what makes, or then going into like my favorite movie. Do you want me to just skip to my favorite movie? No, 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 no. As long as long as. We're on the same page. What okay. do you think we are now? Okay. So, continuing what I was saying about movies. I think a lot of movies are bad because even though they are telling stories, they don't do things that are like can only be told through film. Um, for instance, I was thinking about um, The Revenant, which mm-hmm. just does like a masterful job of like having these brilliant shots, using only natural lighting, doing all these, like, What's amazing... The <laughs> yes. Um, doing all these amazing things that, like, you can describe in a book or, like, you could do in a comic book or, like, an animated series, maybe. But, like, it's not just, like, that pure beauty of, like, actually being there. Um, and so I think that... I think a lot of things, anyways, we're just trying to tell stories. And I think that film does a great job of putting you in a story, but in a way that you can still kind of step back and look at it. Um, so 
So anyways, I'll just kind of jump to my favorite movie then and why it kind of fits into that. Um, also, we've talked a lot about movies too. And so like another one of my favorite things is like a movie that actually forces you to ask questions or forces you to think about things. So by far my favorite director is Christopher Nolan. Um, and almost all of his films are fantastic, at least all the ones that I've seen. And so I think my favorite movie, or the movie that I would say, like, if I had to tell you to, like, watch one movie, what you should you watch? If I'm just going to exclude The Lord of the Rings, which mm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to exclude, um, it would probably be The Prestige. Um, just because... It's just a fantastic story. Uh, it makes you think. It's a like wonderfully well done. Um, you could you could do it in a novel form, I think, but there would be things that what it was a novel before it wasn't right, movie. right. But there would be things that you would miss, and so the main thing I'm gonna spoil this whole movie, I guess. That's fine. It came out in 2006. Regardless, you should see it. And if you, like, don't want it spoiled, just, like, skip ahead. Actually, just stop and watch it. I it think is it might kind be of a Netflix. plot twisty movie. Right. But the thing that I love about it is that there are visual cues and things in the movie that tip you off to the, like, flipping point or the... the I don't know, the big right. reveal. Yeah. So, like, there, you can... So, spoilers, here it comes. In the movie, uh, Christian Bale's character is actually... He actually has a twin. There's two of them. And so this whole time you're trying to figure out how do they do all these crazy magic tricks. But in reality, it's because they're twins. So, and there are, like, there are, like... There are different times in the movie where you can pick on, like, pick up on subtleties that allow you to, like, figure it out. And so, like, that's something I think that is just, like, expertly done in a film. You're telling a compelling story with compelling characters in a way that you're utilizing the medium of film um, to do so. So that would be my favorite movie. I, I Actually, I don't know if that's my favorite movie. Because I also really love Memento, which is also a Christopher Nolan film. Yeah. Um, but I think if I had to, like, tell someone to watch a movie, like, recommend one movie to watch, it would be The Prestige. But Momentum is just fantastic, too, because it, does, it, it also does things that I think work really well in film form. So in this movie, if you're not familiar... Memento. Basically, the whole... Yeah, Memento. The whole story progresses backwards kind of um it's like forward and backward right right um it's just fascinating and just like blows your mind when you're trying to think about it so it's just really good so i think probably i'm not sure if i answered your question did i answer your question no yeah no i, I wanted to know what your favorite Ooh work of art maybe is mm-hmm so so yeah I think I think if I had to pick a medium 
which I guess was my original thought of what you were asking, I would pick film. And if I had to pick a specific specific film, excluding The Lord of the Rings, it would be The Prestige slash Memento. So Austin, what is your favorite medium slash media slash content? Well, as I think I've I've stated previously on this podcast, I I think that these are the words novels are perfect as I Mm -hmm. I've said. I think that's probably a direct quote, if not close to it. Yeah. So novels are my favorite medium. Uh, I was trying to, I was thinking, like, maybe I could do, like, a sleeper pick music because of, like, the emotional content, but, mm-hmm. like, now I'm, like, thinking about it, I have cried more reading books than I have ever cried listening to music. Mm-hmm. I have learned more reading books than I've ever done listening to music. Uh, I think visuals in books are way better than what movies can do. Hmm. Uh, personally, maybe I, I, because remember, I live most of my life in just a fantasy land. Mm-hmm. So in that fantasy land, the visuals are spectacular. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so uh, novels fight me, or I think they're the best. Um... So, okay, so why? Mm-hmm. I think I said that. Uh, yeah. To me, they do everything better than ev- anything else. Um, yeah, that's a bold statement, but I stand by that. So Can you I'm give me some examples of sure. things that it does better than everything else and how it does those things better than everything else? Mm-hmm. So I think... Being kind of like because they're a story, it gets the emotions. It gets at emotions better because you get invest uh, like y- you bring the people into yourself if mm-hmm. you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. Like so. I don't know if it was the first book I cried in, but one of the books that I cried at the end of was um, Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. Because mm-hmm. the ending is devastating. Spoilers for a book that's 50 years old. At least. No, it's older than that. Um, yeah. The main character, George, uh, has to shoot his best friend slash... Uh, mentally retarded sidekick Lenny uh, after he accidentally kills uh, Curly's wife. That's the only name she's given in the book. It's not that I just forget her name. That's the only name she's got. Um, So I was like, man. Like, Lenny is really George's only friend in life. He's the only person he shares with. He's the only person that he's, like, going through life with, who knows his dreams, that knows his hopes. Um, And I was like, what would that 
like making that choice is devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, like the choice to like how do you get how do you move on how do you live after that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I think it because you spend more time with the people that you're in a novel with more of yourself is involved with them mm-hmm. um so i'm like i might just be heartless but um <laughs> music does not move me to tears in the mm-hmm. way that some books do uh visuals uh if you have ever seen an adaptation of a fantasy series and compared it to the version that's in your head, uh, nine times out of ten, I've been like, wow, this is so much worse. Mm-hmm. The Revenant might be a good counterpoint, just because it doesn't try to be fantastical. Um, right. But, like, there's no... You don't have a budget or a rendering team needed to imagine something mm-hmm. um, as you do for a movie. Right. Uh, so, like, this is going to be a terrible example, but I was, <laughs> I was talking to some friends about uh, one of the seasons, of, I think it's season four of Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. I had only read the books, and there's a scene where one of the characters uh, punches apart a different character's head. Mm. And so, I was imagining it way cooler than it actually was in the show. Well, it wasn't even... So then I was bummed. He didn't really punch his head out. It was more He does punch his head out. Uh, Yeah, I know. In the books, though, it's way cooler. I don't know if that's cooler. It's just, like, brutal and gruesome. I don't even want to think about it, let alone watch it in a TV show. It's better than just, like, like, what's-his-face baddie does that. Like, when I want the mountain to just devastate someone, I want it to be the mountain, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyways, finish what you were saying. So, uh, even mundane things like crushing someone's head are are better in my head than they are but which makes me sound like a sociopath now i'm saying it out loud it but uh like i was telling people about this and i was like oh did he like say such and such line and they're like austin you are you like you're a crazy psychopath and i'm like that no that moment is like peak mm-hmm. mountain mm-hmm. i want it to be peak mountain right and even, um, so even like, like character portrayals and different things like that. Oh my goodness. Is yeah. like, and uh, yeah, anyways, I, I just think that that's one thing that is like completely different when I am reading a book compared to seeing it in a film or a TV show. Characters in so I, I feel like characters in TVs and movies are best when they talk as little as possible. And you, mm-hmm. you get like such little access to their internal state that
that you you have to guess what it is. Mm. Um, that's w- when I think you get the best characters in TV. Um, and books is absolutely opposite. Mm-hmm. You you like the the more of someone's internal life that you can get in a book, the better they are as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard. Like that's hard to do in. Um, it's hard to do in a TV show or a movie. Mm-hmm. So using Game of Thrones again as an example. Uh, um, oh yeah. Anyway, everyone's <laughs> just like a cardboard cutout of themselves. Right. Right. It's so frustrating. It's like they get one angle of this person right, uh-huh. but there's so many more angles to this right. person, um, or this character, and they're just missing all of them. And then it's like. It's like seeing a cardboard cutout in a window, and you're like, wait, is that a person? And then you're like, oh, no, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that could never be a real person. So, characterization, imagery, emotions. What else did I say? Oh, learning more things? Mm-hmm. You want to know why I know so much about Russia? The answer is novels. Like I yeah, that it's also like just my obsessiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason I know more about Russia than I'd say most people is uh, maybe most Americans. Um, Russians, I hope, will know more about Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just because of novels. Well, I read a lot more. There's also yeah, my outside influence. Yeah, your obsessiveness. Because I do know of people who have read, maybe not as many, but like all of the big Russian novels that you have read and still know less about Russia. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, and you can... Uh, maybe not like breadth of experience you get more from in novels i think you do mm-hmm. but i mm-hmm. think that's 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 still just a a, f- a function of characterization right because you can have like any representation you want in anything but if they're not good characters then it doesn't matter who they are mm-hmm. um anything else music is better I will give movies music and music music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's another thing to think about in movies, right? Just thinking about how the score affects how you're intaking, your, how you're taking in a scenario. Um, yeah. I, I'm trying to think of like a really good example. Keeping on the Christopher Nolan train. Sure. Going with um, Interstellar, the music organ. Yeah, like it kind of gets very repetitive and like insane. But like it, it gives you that anxiety and that stress that like Matthew McConaughey is feeling at that time. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're really good with language, you can do that just in pacing and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you haven't read The Sound of the Fury have you? No. Uh, 
the Sound of the Fury was the first time I was like, wow, this person is a master, and I know enough to know that they're a master. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Um, there's a part at the end of part two of the Sound of the Fury where a guy named Quentin Thompson is, spoilers, he decides to kill himself. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a novel. It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, it's like stream of consciousness, and he's going kind of in, like kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. But then, so everything's building and getting faster and faster, just kind of in the the rhythm and switching pronouns and dropping apostrophes and smashing words together. Mm-hmm. And then, at like the final bell, like and a bell has been ringing all the time until sometime, and then it rings for the last time, and then everything's just normal. Mm. And you're like, wow, something's changed. And then he goes and jumps off a bridge. Hmm. So if you're really good, it's uh, I will, yeah, it's much easier to get emotions and convey a mood with uh, score than it is with words. Mm-hmm. But if you're mm-hmm. really good, I think it can be as effective. Yeah. I was also thinking, do you consider plays in the same category as novels? So, like Shakespeare, for um, example. Ooh, maybe. I yeah. like Shakespeare a lot. Right. And I have seen, like, no Shakespeare plays. I've just read the mm-hmm. screen plays. <laughs> I don't know if that's what it's called. The scripts? Yeah. The... Uh... But I, I do like Shakespeare a lot. Uh-huh. Um, I'll say I'll say no though to plays in general, because plays are less flexible mm-hmm. than a novel is. Mm-hmm. They are all kind of limited by needing to be like exclusively dialogue and action. Yeah. Um, and they have to be short enough that people will sit through them. Right. Yeah, I would consider them separate. Though I feel bad about that. Well, I mean, they can still be good. They can just be, also not be novels. Yeah. Um, I did, sorry, keep going. Not to say that other things are bad. Right. I just think novels are perfect. Right, and that's, that was the question. I was also going to give, like, a compilation album, like, the genre of music of a compilation album. Concept as, like, album? Concept album, yeah. As, like, my second, well, I don't know, probably novels or books, maybe, but is a close, close second. I do like concept albums a lot. Mm-hmm. Because, it, yeah. Because the another thing I was thinking about when I was thinking about music is that it actually, like, you you get to know more about what the author is thinking as opposed to a character um, mm-hmm. from, like, a movie or a book. And I think that that's really valuable because even though in novels and in, and in movies and in TV shows we can, like, kind of see ideas that are being expressed or, like, feelings that are being thought through and and dealt with but i think music is like does the best of that of 
well, I don't know. Books can be pretty good at that too. But but of of getting those thoughts and feelings out of your head. Yeah. Well, and some musicians intentionally distance themselves mm-hmm. from the ideas being presented in their work. Uh, like, there's a guy called MF Doom, mm-hmm. who I've, I've mentioned before. Yeah. He, he, uh, he wears a mask all the time. Um, and he raps as the character uh, Doom, mm-hmm. who is a supervillain who wants to take over the world. Um, Interesting. And so he, he, he sends out uh, Doom bots to do concerts for him, which are just other people wearing the mask <laughs> and rapping. It's not him. <laughs> uh, so he, it's also like a meta commentary on the uh, comedy, making a comedy of like people's personas. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Anyway, um, so then I was trying to think of my favorite novel. Um, yeah, and that was that was tough. I don't really know, um, but it, yeah. So I've I've mentioned some of my favorites along the way, uh, but uh. Ugh. I, like, it's got to be, it's either Crime and Punishment or War and Peace. Because um, they're, uh, they're both great. Uh, yeah, the, what, Crime and Punishment is better paced uh-huh. um, than War and Peace is. But War and Peace is just h- huge. Hmm. Uh, it's such like an all-encompassing world of a book um that you you get so much more you get so much more out of the characters just because you spend like a million pages and seven years like it's like 12 years Mm -hmm. with these characters and seeing how they change and like seeing how they develop like raskolnikov He's the main character of Crime and Punishment, mm-hmm. if you didn't know. That's by Dostoevsky. He's a Russian. Uh, War and Peace is by Leo Tolstoy, also Russian. Shocker. Yeah. And they were both written in, like, the... the late 1960s. Wow. Mm-hmm. 1860s, early 1870s. Uh, what a time. Other than the American Civil War... What a great time to be alive. Uh, and the tuberculosis. Also not great. Anyway. So, what was I saying? Raskolnikov, he, he has like a big transformation in his character. Mm-hmm. But it's a transformation that takes place over like a week or so. Um, so you, you don't get as much of a feel... Um, for who he was before, you do, because, like, these, these criticisms, I'm, like, stretching, because it's, like, they're so good, I'm just looking for, like, tiny little deviations between the two, mm-hmm. and these are, these are, like, my nitpicks, 
like Raskolnikov is not poorly characterized. Like you get a great understanding of him that gets developed through the actions that he chooses and his crazy rantings to himself as he's mm-hmm. walking down the streets. Um, and from what he does to what he, like the how he changes and the choices that he's making from the beginning to the end are huge, and you understand how he got to all these choices the whole way. Um, so, ah, like, th- I'm, I'm not, I'm not criticizing the characterization of War and Peace. No, of Crime and Punishment. You just have more time and more characters in War and Peace. Like, you, you have, like, forever with Natasha when she's a young, naive girl, and then it's especially devastating when bad things happen to her and then she has to pick up the pieces and you spend forever with her trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, Pierre has just this gigantic character arc that takes forever and you think he's going nowhere or like he'll make some progress and then fall apart again. Um, but he just like stumbles through the story and then becomes like one of the greatest heroes in um world literature and andre um he starts as like he starts as like a classic superfluous man of russian literature look it up there's a wikipedia page um and then his life kind of falls apart and it changes um and then once like once things start getting good everything falls apart again and he has to deal with that um and uh, like all the characters are just like interwoven ridiculously into mm-hmm. each other's lives and everyone it's like a contrast to everyone else all the time um so there's just more Tolstoy is just like the greatest character writer ever so to say Raskolnikov is a worse character than Tolstoy is like that's not even a, that's not even like a, a detraction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there are unnecessary like ramblings about war. They're not unnecessary. They're, it's kind they're, of they're like, It it like messes with the pacing, mm-hmm. which is like Crime and Punishment is at a tight 600 is a much leaner novel <laughs> than War and Peace is. Um, so I don't know. Uh, it's hard to pick between those two. Mm-hmm. Um, the, yeah. They, remember what I said, why novels are perfect? They're perfect because you have perfect novels, like Crime and Punishment and mm-hmm. War and Peace. So, so basically, it seems like novels are better, in your opinion, because they're able to develop characters better. Yep. Okay. Or develop ideas. Just, there's, it's like a... They're like a big stew. 
Yeah. Everything's just kind of simmering together for a really long time. And it's great at the end. I hate that analogy. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. I stand by it. And and so this is probably a poor. This is probably just a slap in the face of these amazing novels. But as you were describing, like, watching these characters develop over years through these novels. There are terrible novels. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I mean, there's terrible everything, so it goes without saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, thinking about it compared to, like, a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Like The Office, for example. We are we are following The Office for nine seasons, like eight or nine yep. years. We see these characters go across eight or nine years. Now, they probably develop a lot less than these characters mm-hmm. do. But we do see character development. We see, we learn about their past. We see what their ambitions are. Um, we see where they're heading. Do Do you feel like they that and and I'm sure there are dramas too that are longstanding dramas mm-hmm. that do that as well. Uh, but do you think that those kind of compare at all to novels, or is it still not as good because you you don't have that internal monologue? You don't have you don't really understand their motivation and, and see a greater arc even it's it's because that's not really the focus of the of the show yeah um i, I think the greatest ones are like that um but yeah the just the the level at which people change is in a sitcom is much less because you have to maintain mm-hmm the format of a sitcom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like they're they're kind of designed to run as long as they can right uh which limits how much you can change in a character mm-hmm. like i'm thinking about michael scott he starts as kind of like the incompetent bumbling boss and then he ends up kind of still being the incompetent bumbling boss but like he like he's better mm-hmm. but he hasn't really changed that much. Right. Um, Dwight probably has the biggest character arc of anyone in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, and still, he like he goes from being the assistant to the regional manager to being the regional manager. Right. Like Pam, maybe. That, that's the that's the biggest arc you get. Like his character changes a lot, mm-hmm. but it, it's still it's not that much. Right. That, that's interest, that, that's interesting. That, he, st- he still needs to play his role as Dwight. Right. It's interesting to think about, for, like I'm thinking about like Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. They are, the, the story of Stranger Things is ruined, or I, I wouldn't say ruined, I shouldn't say ruined, but like hindered by the fact that it doesn't have a foreseeable end. Like, yeah, I agree. The the idea of a novel, or even like a movie, is that it has an end point. Mm-hmm. The problem with TV shows is that they don't really have an end point. They, and I, ideally they don't. Right, and that's the problem, especially with sitcoms. But even with even with dramas, like there there's no foreseeable end because they don't really want it to end. Um, right. And it and in that way it hinders 
character development. It hinders stories because you're you have to center it around the characters, but you don't want to develop the characters mm-hmm. because you don't want them to change in a way that people will no longer like it and watch it. So yeah, you'd have to like risk torpedoing the show to have the same kind of arcs right. to me as you do in a novel. Right, and then like a show, yeah. So so if you had a show that you're like, okay, I'm only going to do like four seasons, or I'm only going to do like six seasons or something like that, then you could have like a mm-hmm. really good arc. But the problem is you can't really guarantee you're going to get more than one or a half a season. Right. Uh, and I think Breaking Bad's kind of like that, mm. uh, which I have not seen. Me People neither. tell me that's a uh, embarrassment to my name. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have, yeah, I haven't seen it. But yeah, it's, uh, TV is in a rough place where you risk cancellation all the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think that limits this yeah it limits the scope of things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and going back going back to movies i wish that there were more movies that did things that you could only do in movies i don't really know exactly what that looks like but i wish that was the case things like the revenant right where you're only using natural lighting to do these things where it's like wow i feel like i am in wyoming right now like this is ridiculous. Um, trying to think of or some like other examples. Dunkirk. Yeah. Basically, tell a story without any words. Yeah. Dunkirk was fantastic at that, right? Like, I got to silent films. I got to the end of Dunkirk, and if you would have asked me who the main character was, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. And I don't think that that was a problem because I still understood mm-hmm. the story. I still was able to feel like I was in that situation and understand like or like understand what was going on at that time um mm-hmm. and they did that through visuals they did that through acting they did that through the music um or like uh mad max yeah right that movie i so i went to i saw mad max fury road and I came out of it, and I was like, that movie was 95% car chase, and I didn't hate it. Um, yeah. Tom Hardy doesn't say anything. He has, like... That's kind of his thing. Right, but this one's even more he says nothing. Um, but the visuals were stunning. Um, the story wasn't even that compelling, to be honest. But, like, yeah. I was like... Well, it's like... We're being oppressed. Right. Help, help, I'm being oppressed. <laughs> um, another movie that had stunning visuals, um, Blade Runner 2048, or 2049, whichever it, it is. It doesn't seem like anyone talks in that movie from the trailer. There's not a lot of talking, um, but there, there's a good amount of talking. Um, Ryan Gosling is very emotionless, um, which makes sense. In 2048. In the movie, yeah, because he's a replicant, so they're not supposed to be able. To uh, I still like Baby Driver. Yeah, which is that's a good example. A movie that relies on its soundtrack mm-hmm. to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically a musical. Yeah. Um, I liked um, The Big Short. 
um, mm-hmm. where they would just there's like three different times where they literally just like stopped the movie, completely broke the fourth wall and just had like people famous random famous people tell us what was going on in the movie because it was like getting too complicated um and i was like wow this is just a really cool way of doing that um it is a better book but that's usually going to be the case yeah michael lewis is a great writer uh uh, yeah it frustrates me so much Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyways. This whole episode was kind of recommendations. Yeah. Uh, but do you have any for this week? Um. Honestly, I didn't think of one. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. But I can kind of I can try to think of one while you're going. Okay, sure. If you have one. Uh. So. I, I am on the Atlantic's website a lot, if you haven't noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a podcast. Mm. Uh, oh, hyping other podcasts. What is this, a podcast? Oh, no. Um, and their, their latest interviewee was uh, Tanahashi Coates, who I've, I've mentioned before. Um, he is a writer for the Atlantic um, he is the current writer for Black Panther and the future writer for Captain America. Um, I think his most famous article is probably the case for reparations. Um, but it's, uh, I don't want to say in honor of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., but I'll go with that. Um, I'm recommending his podcast, but I, I like it a lot. He says a lot of things that I wish other people would hear. He, like, he talks about how he much he hates being called a public intellectual, and when people just ask him to give his hot take on anything because he's not qualified to actually give his, like, he says public intellectuals don't exist. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, it's so true. <sighs> we keep asking, like, scientists, like, what should we do about all these problems? They don't know. <laughs> like, they barely know what they're, they're doing in science, just yeah. based on the scientists I know. Um, yeah, so it, it's just a great interview, and it's interesting to hear him um, talk about um, Captain America because he is what's, he's part of what's called the, the Afro-Pessimist Movement, he says he says really interesting things. Like the a really cool thing to say right now is that the long bend or the long arc of history is towards justice. And he says, "Really? How? Well, like, where where's your proof of that? Mm-hmm. Um, coming from like a a place of just sustained injustice towards African Americans. Um, so he says it like." It's hard for him to write about Captain America because Captain America is someone who has such hope and trust in the the ideal of America. He, mm-hmm. he compares him to Barack Obama. It's a very interesting interview. Hmm. Um, so uh, I think it's podcast 17 on the Atlantic, Tanahashi Coates. Nice. 
So you come up with anything? Uh, kind of. I'm going to go for it anyways. Bueno. So my recommendation for this week is to just sit down and talk to your friends. Um, oh, I was, uh, I was thinking about that. Um, so this past weekend we were in back at our hometown in Pennsylvania for Easter and we went over to our friend's house and they were watching a baseball game and we were just kind of just chatting and then we're like, well, what do we want to do? And our friend Timmy was like, well, why don't we just sit here and keep talking? Um, and so that kind of just like struck me. I was like, wow, yeah, like we don't get to see, see these guys all the time anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like we don't necessarily need to, to do anything other than just sit and chat. Um, or even we were spending some time with our cousins as well. And now that we're older, we spend a lot more time around the dinner table after the meal and just chatting about what's going on in our lives and, and um, just things like that. So, and then today I was at a coffee shop and had a great conversation with some people um that wouldn't happen if we were just like hey let's watch a tv show or a movie or something so that's my recommendation is just take the opportunity to talk with your friends talk with your family we had a great conversation with our family too um Mm -hmm. just just talk to people catch up with people um talk about real things don't be afraid to yeah talk about what's going on in your life so. I need to email my great aunt back. Yeah. To follow up on a conversation we had. Right. So that's my recommendation for this week. Sit down and, and talk to your friends. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us. Yes. Hope to see you again next week. We will see you next week. Bye.